in the movie The Rookie. It is telling the story of 35-year-old Jim Morris, who later in life is thinking that he might could actually be a major league pitcher. He is aware that the only way that he will make it there is through the minor leagues. And the movie depicts the story of him riding in cramped buses and sleeping in dumpy motels. And he calls his wife weeks into his journey in the minor leagues. And he is telling her that he is aware he's not sure that it's worth it. As he climbs out of the very cramped bus again and stands in a phone booth to talk to her. He sees the glow of lights at a nearby little league field. And he is, of course in the movie, drawn to the glow of the lights. He walks through a thicket of woods and he finds himself settling at the back chain link fence of a little league game. Maws flying all around the lights. It's in between innings. And he catches the eye of two young players as they are out in the outfield, pitching back and forth to each other, waiting for the next inning to start. And as he was standing there, he caught inspiration about what he was getting to do. The next scene shows him walking into the locker room amongst all of the young players on the minor league team that he's on. He strodes through the locker room with a grin on his face. Oh, I didn't know I'd get to tell a baseball story to Jeremy. He has a grin on his face, and he sees his really good young friend, Brooksy, he calls him, and with a big smile on his says. He says, Brooksy, you know what we get to do today? And Brooksy looks at him kind of puzzled, a little weirded out that the old man is standing there with a big grin on his face. And he says, we get to play baseball today. Last night when I discovered the sadness that our brother John would not be here, I felt the joy of knowing that I would get to share in God's word with you. This is not me standing up here by myself. This is us together getting to young and old, holding God's word in our hand and searching the scriptures and holding on to them for dear life. So thanks be to God for this opportunity. I'm reading several books that are starting to describe the effects of the human race from COVID. I kind of I um, geek out on these things. I, like reading, I liked reading the books after the internet had been around for 15 years. Remember people, it's called the internet, the World Wide Web. Um, books started being written about what has the effect been on the minds and hearts of humans after the internet has come. Well, books are starting to come now on the tail end of the pandemic about what the effect has been. And we also find ourselves living in an incredibly volatile time in our world. 
one author has called the time that we're living in a gray zone. This is what his definition is. We are leaving one era of time and we are birthing into and towards a new era of time. We are still aware of the characteristics of the era that we're in and we're starting to see and sense the characteristics of the era that we're moving to but we have not completely entered that new era. Perhaps we feel like that we're clawing and kicking and screaming not to enter into that new era. But what happens is, in the gray zone is, with the characteristics of the era that we're in, and aware that we're moving to a new, things seem confusing and contradictory. Things feel like they're shifting constantly. Turn to Acts 17. We'll start there this morning. Acts 17. And let your eyes drift down to verses 26 to 28. I feel really, really, I feel joyful and I have passion to tell you this. I also want to say it respectfully. I know that I can't accurately tell you the exact number, but it sounds like best guess is that between 107 and 110 billion people have lived and died on the earth to this point. And you're the ones that are alive now. Of all of the 110 billion people that have lived in the human race, God has purposely chosen that we're the ones that are living in this gray zone as we struggle leaving one era and moving into another era. It's you and me. Look at Acts 17, 26-28. As Paul was teaching those, and, and of course Paul is actually uh, in a little bit of trouble most places he went, and he says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Let's pause there just for a second. God is the one that determines the times and the places. He is the one that has determined who is here and when they're here, now, the here and now. I find that it's incredibly fascinating and incredibly encouraging that for some reason, he decided that it would be us. He would decided that we would be the ones that are getting to live inside of this particular time. Go on to verse 28. For in Him, we live and move and exist. Other translations say... In Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. During this particular time in the ancient world, three of the great mysteries would have been life, motion, and being. And as Paul is talking to this group of people, he is making it 
all-conclusive. What is intended is, is that God is moving so that we would perhaps reach out and grope for Him so that it would be in Him that we would live and move and have our being. So this begs the question, who are we living for or what are we living for if and when we are not living in Him, living, moving, and having our being. I celebrate that God has uniquely called us to be living during this turbulent time between eras. All right, here we go. Grab your Bibles. If you have a physical Bible, you're also welcome to take one in the pew. Electronic ones, I'm sorry, you're off the table momentarily. If you have a physical Bible, take it in your hand and hold it up. I'm not discriminating. Hold it up. Great. Close the Bible. This is now officially an in-sermon sword drill. Get ready. Psalm 12.1. The first person to stand up will read it. Psalm 12.1. Go. Video is coming soon, gentlemen. Okay, wit. That's not surprising. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Austin, that's something to shoot for, okay? I'm just telling you. Will you, uh, you know, I don't really have to say this. Whit, would you read this loud for us, please? Read. I know I do not have to. Psalm 12.1. So you and I find ourselves uniquely placed, not accidentally, but on purpose in the midst of this specific time in history. God is not surprised. God is not saying, oops, wow, oh my goodness, it's them. God knew that of the 110 billion that we would be the ones purposely placed here. And in the midst of us standing firm in the purpose of being here, it's discouraging sometimes. I was really appreciative, Kurt, of the way that you led us taking phrase by phrase and celebrating. And our joy is intact, but it is not without discouragement. Help, Lord. Because there are times where it seems like, as a whole that the godly are no more. We're going to mix things up a little bit this morning, folks. Uh, would you not shut off and think, ooh, we don't usually do this in the morning service. Would you listen to three young men singing words, having an alternating, contrasting conversation with one another about what life on the planet is like? Don't tune out. If you're on the live feed, the feed will be paused momentarily. It's literally happening right in front of us while we're living this day. Speak your mind. Look out for yourself. The answer to it all is a life of wealth. Grab all you can. Because you just live once. You got the right to do whatever you want. And 
I've listened to this song for a lot of years. I didn't ask permission if I could play it. But it impacts me because right in the middle of the dialogue, there, there's a shouting voice right in the middle of acknowledging I am a self-indulgent person. I understand what a selfish heart is like. I'm being called by God's Word to, rem- to, be, to be reminded, what about love? What about God? What about holiness? What about mercy? What about compassion? What about selflessness? And what I'm aware of is that those kinds of things, they really stand out when you're shifting eras and things are coming apart at the seams. Our culture, in and of itself, is unraveling in an accelerating manner. But that does not change love and God and holiness and mercy and compassion and selflessness. It doesn't change it. The clip that I'm not going to show this morning is Rocky and Drago boxing each other. I did show our students several weeks ago. I was aware that there might be young children in the room and there is fake blood in this particular clip. I am a Rocky sucker. I have been known to be pulled out of a slight depression by watching the Rocky training montage (laughs) from Rocky IV. There's the scene in Rocky IV at the end of the movie and Rocky and Drago, I'm not recommending the movie, are boxing at the end. And the reason why I'm telling you this is it's at the end of the movie, it is an all-out slugfest. If they were really hitting each other, they would both be dead. It is so exaggerated. It is so over the top. And it's so over the top, brilliantly, beautifully, on purpose, for me, because I actually believe that the accentuated, overdone picture of that battle is what the battle for our hearts is actually like. Um, I shared this teaching with our student parents recently, and um, one of the parents, she emailed me and she said, I really appreciate this. I, I feel like that there's a balanced feeling here. There is battle but Jesus is building his church. But make no mistake about it, there is battle for your heart and there is battle for my heart. And I'll be honest with you, I think that my view of that is at times much more sleepy than it probably really ought to be. We have an enemy who hates us. The enemy, when he hears... What about love? What about God? What about holiness? What about mercy, compassion, and selflessness? He cringes. He shudders. Because those things are dripping from the blood. So I ask us this morning, as you're sitting here, do you believe that there is that kind of battle over your heart and mind? 
Let's do this again. We did this in the pavilion really quick. I think this is kind of fun. If you're between the ages of 0 and 10, raise your hand. 11 and 20, raise your hand. 21 and 30, raise your hand. 31 and 40, raise your hand. 41 and 50, raise your hand. 51 and 60, raise your hand. 71, did I skip one? 61 to 70, raise your hand. 71 to 80, raise your hand. I set you up perfectly. Raise your hand if you think I went far enough. Raise your hand. Man who was playing cornhole a month ago. Here we are. The generations gathered together this morning in one place. God's Word can be alive and real to us, the generations, this morning. It can be real. Do you believe that the battle is real? What do you believe? You and I know that we can have been in church for 50 years and regularly attend church and not be connected to Christ and not be connected to His Word. So, what do we believe in this amazing era of shifting that we're living in? I want to invite you this morning. I want to invite you to attach to God's Word. Or, I want to invite you to reattach to God's Word. What might, what might life 20 years from now be like if today, July 3rd, 2022, there was a collective attaching and reattaching right in the midst of this unique time in history that we're living to the Word of God at Signal Mountain Bible Church? Video number two of the day. I love this one. I'll tell you why. Here it is. Don't check out. Do not check out. It's, for, it's on our... Zero to 20 years of age in five minutes. What will the impact of something that you start today be 20 years from now? Here's what I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about two things. I think that is so cool. I think, it, I think it's just this amazing historical remembrance I think about this family whomever they are wherever they live having this keepsake as long as the grid doesn't crash and they can watch it but here's what's hitting me the dad started I can see myself saying man I wish I'd have done that I wish I'd have thought of that. That's a cool idea. He started. Students and children. I know that you may not understand this and you may not really feel anything about it, but I literally envision you today with a Bible in your hands, maybe with your mom or dad, or a brother or sister, 
and literally you're just taking this in your hands and you're starting. It's not magical. may not make much sense. still doesn't make much sense to me at times. To my older friends, what will life be like 20 years from now if today was a day that you reattached to God's Word? If you attached to God's Word for the first time? This is also what I'm thinking. I cried when I shared this with our parents too. When I think about that 20 years, I'm thinking about our granddaughter Emerson. What will her life be like when she's 22? And I'm 55. Sorry. Whoa. And I'm 75. (laughs) Time warp. I'm so hopeful for Emerson Marie that her attachment to God's word will be so powerful in her life 20 years from now when she's 22. Let's practice. We'll take the last few minutes. Let's practice. Psalm 69, 1 through 3. Let's go there. In this gray time, in this gray zone, I know that we all have different viewpoints about what the time that we're living in is like. I think we can agree it's a pretty unique time. Things are happening pretty quick. What are you and I rooted in? What will we root in today? And what will its fruit be 20 years from today? What will the impact be? Psalm 69, David, I love this. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said this about Psalm 69. He said, Perhaps in no psalm in the whole Psalter is the sense of sorrow profounder or more intense than this soul of the singer pours itself out in unrestrained abandon to the overwhelming and terrible grief which consumes it. In other words, this psalm of lament of Psalm 69, it seems pretty intense for him. He's really lamenting. Let's listen to it again. Psalm 69, 1 through 3. Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. I have sunk in deep mire and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and a flood overflows me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. He's struggling. What are the things that feel hard in your life right now? I know what it's like to ignore that there are difficult things happening in my life. I find it so amazingly beautiful. Leah shared this with me and friends yesterday. 
a third of the Psalms are the psalmists pouring out their hearts in lament to say, I'm struggling. What seems hard for you currently? This morning, before I came here, Lee and I stood in Leah's mom's room at our house. Trey is there with her now, watching and caring for her. Her breathing seemed just a teeny bit different than it had been. And so Leah was sitting in the rocking chair in Granny's room, just watching, waiting, praying. I came in and I stood with her. Granny has been in bed for five weeks. It seems miraculous that she's still alive. She has not eaten for weeks. She is drinking very little water for almost two weeks. And she's still breathing. And why am I saying that? Number one, thank you for loving and caring for our family, for serving us, praying for us. It's been hard. It's been really hard. We've been lamenting. What's hard for you right now? The Psalms beckon us to say what's hard. Not stuff it. Say it. And look at verse 3. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Because sometimes it seems like God's not around. Seems like it. And maybe you enter into a time when God doesn't seem like he's around and you stop caring. And then after a while, maybe God really isn't that big of a deal. And you just say, I'll handle it. Turn to Psalm 71. In Psalm 71, David is not named. However, the similarities between Psalm 70 and 71 lead towards there being in many commentaries that 71 is attributed to David as well. David in 69, David in 71. Look at verses 14 and 15 that Nick read for us a while ago. But as for me, I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long, for I, for I do not know the sum of them. Listen to Charles Haddon Spurgeon about Psalm 71. We have here the prayer of the aged believer who in holy confidence of faith, strengthened by a long and remarkable experience, pleads against his enemies and asks further blessings for himself. Could it be that we have David in an earlier part of his life, now in Psalm 71, talking about the impact of the word of God over his life, over 
a couple of decades. Because here's what we're hearing in verses 14 and 15. David is saying, I am oriented towards hope and righteousness and salvation. The same one who said, my eyes are growing weary waiting to see is the same one that is now saying, hope is big, salvation is big, righteousness is big. Bigger than me. It's bigger than me. I need to remind myself of that. It's bigger than us. Thanks be to God. We are attaching and reattaching into something that is bigger than us. And look at verse 20. You who have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. That's real truth. He's rehearsing real truth. And so here's what I see. Same guy, he's talking about real trouble and he is rehearsing real truth truth. He is rooted. So I leave you with these thoughts to ponder. What do you believe? Here I am, mid-50s, around the church since I was a young boy. What do I believe? Are you aware this morning of the battle for your soul? I'm aware if I had shown you the clip, some of you would have been like, yes, I knew I should have come today. I think that we make a judgment call. We either think that's over the top. Damon, we've heard you preach a few times. You're a little overdramatic in the pulpit. Either that's over the top, or you think, you know, there's a battle for my soul. As a follower of Jesus, there's a battle over the health of my soul. And I either, I'm either at one place or the other on the spectrum. What are you aware of about the battle that's going on today for your soul? Take your pulse. I've watched hospice do this with Granny. Granny's vitals, he says over and over again, are perfect. They haven't really changed. God is in charge. Take your pulse. You know what? I'm honestly going to say this God thing, I couldn't care less. That dialogue that you might have with loved ones acknowledging I couldn't care less, it might be some of the most healthy dialogue you've had in a while. Or you feel so passionately engaged with Jesus in his word that you feel like a freak. You feel like people are just like looking at you like, what is going on with them? Or somewhere in between. But take your pulse. What about you and God today? Will you and God start something today that will have deep impact in your life 20 years from now. I wonder what it might be.
need help, want to talk about it, want to think about it, find someone. Students, children. You know, Damon, he's kind of, he was kind of weird talking about it. He's like walking over there to the side and holding his Bible up. Will you help me? I wonder about that whole 20 years from now thing. Lastly, hey, I don't know where we'll all be in 20 years. I know where I hope we'll be. Let's have a reunion. And let's talk about the 20-year impact. Jesus, we're relying on you. Yes, we prop ourselves up. I like to live from fun thing to the next fun thing. But God, I want to attach to your word. I want to reattach to your word. Especially in this time that we're living in that is it's really, really amazing what's happening in and around our world. And you have purposed that it would be us. Thank you for the honor of letting us to be the ones to offer our lives in the midst of this chaotic time. Thank you. And I pray simply today, Father, would you let your word powerfully attach and reattach into the lives of this little flock and me. And would it change us ongoing forever and ever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are able, would you stand for the benediction? Receive this benediction. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who is first given to him that it might be paid back to him again for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. A blessed Sabbath to you all.